identity with Christ. You identify yourself with Christ on the cross. God gives you a new identity in Him. And uh, so you find that identification as a son of God. We then looked and saw that you develop a walk. We develop a Christian walk. We begin to move forward. We begin to forsake the old, walk into the new. We pick up our mat and, and move into a new place and begin to move towards the things of God. We're progressing now. And then last week, wow, I don't know what happened there. Uh, Last week we saw that we then move into uh, a fruitful walk. We are now to produce fruit. And uh, as we're beginning to walk, now we're no longer being a consumer of things. We're now producing things. The fruit of the Spirit is now beginning to uh, manifest in our lives. And we're beginning to reach out to others. People are beginning to see the fruit of Christ. And it becomes obvious as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so our next stage is stage four, but oh, wait a minute, I'm going to interrupt that message for the message tonight. What I want to bring to you is a faith crisis, because this stage can move in and out of our Christian walk at any time. You may have hit it in the first stage of your life when you were identifying yourself in Christ. You may have hit it in the second stage when you were beginning to walk. You may have hit it sometime in the, in the third when you're bearing fruit. It may hit later on. The point being, and this is why I'm kind of putting it in the middle, is this thing can hit us at any time. Anybody here ever have a faith crisis? And let me help identify what that is. A faith crisis It's really important to understand. On your outline, you'll see it defined. It's not a crisis that challenges our faith. But in fact, it's when our faith is in crisis. There's a difference. A faith crisis isn't just, you know, us having a challenge. That's that's not a crisis to your faith. That's, That's causing your faith to increase. That's using your faith to get through it. But a faith crisis is when your faith itself is in peril. You don't even know if you have faith or you don't even know if you can believe what you've been believing. You question it. You test it. That's a faith crisis. Okay? Now that's important. To discern the difference, and let me go further in the definition, a period of intense doubt and internal conflict about one's beliefs or life's decisions. It comes to a place that demands reconciliation or re-evaluation before you can continue on believing. Either you reconcile the cause of doubt with the belief or you drop the belief. That's scary. I don't know if any of you have been there. I've been, visited that place a couple of times, more than twice, three times, four times. And, it's, and it comes in, sometimes unaware. Sometimes it's slowly building. Sometimes it smacks you. And sometimes, because of an event in your life, it hits you different than any other time. And it may be cataclysmic. And it creates such an impact that you begin to doubt what you've been believing. Again, anybody been there? Now, this is normal in the Christian life, and I want to show you why it's normal and how God can use it. Okay? But 
what we need to understand is when it happens, we have to be able to not get blown out of the water by it, not get absolutely destroyed and, and, and fall into a pit of despair. We've got to be able to secure our position so that when we hit a faith crisis, we're not going to go all the way back down to the end of the rope. We're only going to get hit in that particular area, but still trust in the things we do know about God. That's important. Because I I remember early on in my walk that I'd hit a faith crisis and I'd slip all the way back down to, is there even a God? And I don't care who is the greatest theologian, greatest preacher, greatest person out there. People have crises in their faith. And so we, we have to understand that. Now, let's take a look at some people. Let me give you an example. Uh, how many of you ever heard of Ted Turner? He's, he's a, an unashamed atheist and very loud about it. I didn't know this about him. Ted Turner founder of CNN, is a very dramatic example of a faith crisis. At one point, Ted intended to be a missionary. Ted's sister, Mary Jane, uh, came down with lupus and suffered terribly before she died. Ted had prayed for an hour every day, as he said, for naught, for nothing. Ever Ever since then, Ted's been mad at God and considers himself an atheist and an agnostic. See, what happened was he had a crisis of faith, didn't he? But in his crisis of faith, it challenged him so much, he denied what he had even believed before. And that might indicate whether he really was a believer at the start. You see, faith crises can do that. And you'll read in the book of Revelation that there's going to be a great falling away Can I tell you why there's probably going to be a great falling away in the last days? Because there's a lot of easy believism. There's a lot of people who believe things about Jesus. They come to church for Jesus. But when they will be challenged by the world, the devil, and everything that is going to be happening in the last days, they're going to have a faith crisis and realize it's on empty. It's a way of weeding out. It's a challenge devil tried to have jesus have a faith crisis did jesus have a faith crisis no he didn't did he now with this faith crisis what do we do when our faith shatters and i told you about ted turner let me tell you about a few other people in the bible that had a crisis of faith how many of you remember job right he did not understand what was going on God did not explain to him what was going on. Did God know what was going on? Yes, he did. Job argued, if I could just have my day in court, I could settle this issue. And so he had a faith crisis, and he had counselors come around and try to help figure it all out. But he was a strong man. How about Elijah? How many of you remember Elijah's faith crisis? I'm the only one left. I wish I never lived. Right? At the brook of Cherith. God said, look, take a nap and eat some food. (laughs) Chill. But he was in crisis, wasn't he? And he had to wait upon God and wait upon God. And then he had to go up to the mountain to hear if God would speak to him. And God didn't speak to him in in the wind and in the thunder and in the lightning and in anything else but that still small voice. He had to get Elijah quieted down in his crisis to hear him again. 
But certainly you can't minimize his crisis. Jeremiah was in crisis. I don't want to do this anymore. These people hate me. Throw him in a well. He's done. We hit these times in our walk where we hit a brick wall. The, the heavens seem like brass and we begin to doubt everything. Martin Luther was famous for this. He had times where he struggled so in his uh, having to uh, be in exile from his land and the papacy against him and trying to kill him. He was wondering, where's God in all this? All I did was nail a piece of paper to a door. And so he had crisis. How many of you know, have ever heard of Charles Spurgeon, known as one of the greatest preachers in London? Charles Spurgeon was known for fits of depression, to go into places that were called the dark side of the soul, struggling, yet called the, the prince of preachers, one of the strongest men of God in faith. His faith was challenged, tested. Mother Teresa, I put her up there because just recently, I don't know if any of you heard this in the news, but how, uh, recently they published some of her memoirs, some of her diary. And what they published in her diary, they were, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Because in her personal diary, she writes about her struggles of faith. Where are you, God? You're not hearing me. I need more of you, less of me, and I'm struggling. And people are shocked. I guess Mother Teresa just didn't have as much faith as everybody thought she did. Certainly she did. But she had a crisis and a time when when even your best efforts get challenged in your own heart and mind. But can I tell you, the only way to exercise a muscle is to, to move it past its ability as that it's at. It needs to be moved and stretched and exercised beyond its normal capacity. And God does that with us. So I would say that many times our faith crisis comes because of our expectations. We can have false expectations. We can have ideas about God and formulate opinions about God and Scripture as we've read, and then we come into a situation and it doesn't line up with our theology. What is that about? I did this, I did that, I quoted this Scripture, I followed what my leaders told me to do, I did everything right, and it turned out wrong. And what happens? You begin to question. You've got a crisis on your hands. And this challenges us. And so one of the first ones of our expectations are God expectations. This is a biggie. Because Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and believed. Blessed are you, Thomas. You remember when Thomas, he said, I'm not going to believe till I see it. I'm going to stick my finger in his side. And he got to. We don't get to. Jesus looked at him and said, Blessed are you, Thomas, for making that declaration, but blessed are those who believe without seeing. You and I never got to see the scars and the holes in Jesus, and we're trusting him. We're believing him. And what happens when he disappoints us? What happens when what we've prayed for is not happening? It can throw us into a crisis, let's be honest. So then what do we do with that? We redefine God? Many times we try to. What's fascinating is many times we reject or we turn away. We're mad at Him. 
Look, come on, folks, we got a Bible full of stories, full of promises. Never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Do you know how many Christians starved in China? They, they were hungry and starved to death and persecuted when Mao came. And I remember hearing, I don't know if you remember Peter Lee, the, the translator that we had and that I had used in the underground church, and I remember on our breaks him telling me and beginning to weep and cry when he talked about his grandparents starving to death. And, and thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of believers who starved. Now, what do you do with that when you have a scripture that said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor seed begging bread, and they starved to death? That creates a crisis in my faith with God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He will heal all of your sickness and all of your diseases. While you're praying for the person at the hospital bed who dies, what do you do with that? Redefine God? No, it's a crisis of our faith. It's a refining fire. We have to readjust ourselves. We have to consider what do we do with this. Our expectations have been dashed. Do we alter our theology completely? And this is the question. This is what is important in bringing in faith crisis in the middle of our discussion of our growth stages. Because a faith crisis can stunt your growth to where you do not continue on. And there are many believers who have been hurt and wounded by their expectations of what they wanted from God, and they were reasonable. And because of that, they they can't move on in their continual growth. Does God give up on them? No. No. Uh, there's also uh, church expectations, aren't there? This has wounded many Christians. Look at how many are not here tonight. <laughs> you, see, you, you know what I'm saying? How many of you know two, three, five, ten Christians that are just tired of church? They don't like it. They've been beat up by it. They, they've been hurt by it. Uh, and all of their expectations of what church people should be, has wounded them. And so they have a crisis in their heart as to what the church should be. Because I read in the book of Acts, the church is this. And then when I step in that building, it's not that. What do you do with it? You have a crisis with what the church is. And where do I fit in it? Do I even need it? Do you need to go to church to be saved? That's, that's going all the way back down to that final last thing. How about some other expectations? People expectations. People have hurt you. Relationships have failed you. You didn't enter into that marriage thinking you'd get divorced. You didn't enter into this situation with a friend only to get burned again. It hurts. And, and you have a crisis then of, can I trust anyone? And then what typically will happen is this. Loser. Your self-expectations. I'm a lousy Christian anyways. Obviously, I can't even get through this crisis. What good am I? How could God ever use me? I'm just going to put it all on a shelf. 
And, and so crisis comes into our faith. Is this resonating with any of you, to be real with you? Because I can be very real with it. I thought I'd put myself up there. And I'll tell you some crises I had so that you would understand. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. My mother was a strong believer. My grandmother a strong believer. Uh, grew up in church, and uh, our, we had a good strong Christian family. I loved the Lord. And at age 17, my father commits suicide. He killed himself. But I want to give you a little bit of background to that so that you can understand where I was. Because on the night that I saw this distress in the family, it had been going on for many, many months. And on that particular night, I was just moved to go pray for my dad. Now, my mom was the church secretary, so she had a key to the church. So I said, Ma, could I? It was a Wednesday night. And uh, so I said, Ma, could I have a, we, at a Presbyterian church, we didn't have a Wednesday night service. Could I use the key? So I went to the church that night, open, unlocked the church, sat in that sanctuary. I remember sitting in that sanctuary, praying to God. God, heal my father. Protect my father. Take care of my dad, Jesus. And I sat there, oh, well over an hour and a half, just seeking intercession for my dad's well-being and his health. I felt, I felt good about it. Locked up the church and walked home. Four in the morning, I heard my mother screaming at the top of her lungs, oh my God, he did it. I had to come running down the stairs and see my father hanging from a pole. I was absolutely paralyzed. I had to cut him down. They came, they pronounced him dead, all of this. Now what do you do with that, in a, in, with your faith, when you interceded for him hours before? trusting God. And then what do you do with it when you hear all the testimonies as I was going to take my life but an angel of the Lord showed up. I was going to jump and right then God spoke into my spirit and said, son, don't do this. You want to hear the real kicker about it? My dad had a doctor appointment two hour, about 10 o'clock the day he had killed himself that had finally the results of what was wrong with him. What do you do with this kind of a crisis in your faith? Messed me up for years. But it changed me forever to trust God. I could have rejected Him, but something else happened and He worked with me through it. And, and that's not the only time I've had a faith crisis. I remember in college, in, in feeling this tug where I had a call on my life. God was speaking to me and I didn't want to listen to Him. I wanted to do what the rest of my friends were doing in college. I wanted to get high. I wanted to drink. I wanted to do what they do. And, and you're always wanting me to do the right thing. And I'm sick of it. And I, I, I was sick of God. I was sick of him watching over me. I was sick of him telling me what to do. And I certainly didn't want to be all that goody guy thing. And in my crisis, I said, leave me alone, buzz off. Had a crisis. And in that crisis of my faith came a reality of what if he did. And in that crisis, I changed forever again. In a pivotal moment, I realized, I don't want a life without you. And it changed me from then on. I began to pursue God with my full heart, mind, soul, and body. And we started a church, and we're working in the church, and things are great, and, and uh, 
grew up preaching the full word of God, full counsel of God. Now I get to pray for people and I'm ministering to them. And one of my best friends, Steve Picor, he uh, worked with us in a ministry that we had, a music ministry, and uh, we were very close. Uh, a good brother, you know. And I was in a series on, on divine healing according to Scripture. And on a Sunday morning before I was going to preach my third message on divine healing and praying for the sick, I was called to the hospital and my 32-year-old friend died as I was praying healing over him. What do you do with that? Say goodbye to the family because I've got to go preach now over at the church on divine healing. A little bit of a crisis here. And, and how do you handle that crisis? Do you fall all the way back to is there a God or not? Or do you work in that crisis at the specific areas that God is pruning in your heart? Is God bigger than the crisis? See, by that time I had been through enough of them <laughs> to not throw out, as they say, the baby with the bathwater. Do you see what I'm saying? That's why it's important for us to talk about faith crisis as a reality in your walk. It is a part of your journey to come into a place of challenge to your faith, even in a face of crisis. Uh, uh, it doesn't stop there. I remember uh, at our Metro Beach picnic, I got a call in the middle of our great celebration. Uh, my brother-in-law, who was probably one of the nearest men to my life other than my father, who I lost, uh, hit a deer driving his motorcycle. We went to the uh, hospital to see him, and my sister was on the back of the bike. She went flying, broke her collarbone, but he, had, he was in critical condition. And I remember praying and praying, and I remember hearing what I believed a word from the Lord that was, it's going to be all right, he, he, he's going to be okay. And I was able to minister that to my family, the preacher man, heard from God, entering into a new door of faith. That's the word I had only to find out a week later he dies. Passes a blood clot. What do you do with these things? So, brothers and sisters, I'm not preaching out of opinion or thought. I'm telling you what is a reality in my life. And how do you get past it and continue to grow in Christ? This is the question, isn't it? And the way we do it is to understand what a faith crisis is about. They will come, they will challenge us, and they are necessary. Because we are shedding off the old man. And so, we have to understand the purpose of a faith crisis. We have to be careful with them. Because I want you to see the dangers of a faith crisis. If you don't handle it properly, what will happen is disappointment will settle in. You'll either be disappointed with God, disappointed with the church, disappointed with people, or disappointed with your, faith, your own self and your faith. It becomes weakened, and in disappointment, you isolate yourself. You will either remove yourself away from God, or you'll remove yourself away from the church, or you'll remove yourself away from loved ones and people. You'll even distance yourself from the truth you know within you. And it's a trick of the enemy because isolation then breeds self-absorption. Everything becomes about you. 
Everything is focused by you. God was supposed to serve you. The church was supposed to serve you. Your friends were supposed to serve you. Everything, you become the center of the universe because you become so wounded and so self-absorbed. It's what we do. And last of all, that's where deception comes in. We become self-deceived, don't we? And we stay in that place. So we've really got to be careful on how faith crisis can affect us. And again, I go back to the saying of what many saints have said throughout the centuries. It's called the dark night of the soul. Some have framed it as the dark side of the soul or the the dark side of the moon, that part that doesn't get the reflection. It's when you enter into that place where you're not hearing, you're isolated, and you're wounded. St. John of the Cross, if you ever want to do a study on this, developed even stages of why it is important to go through crisis in faith. There are particular stages that, in fact, prune your soul in your life to better you. You see, your failures, I'm sorry, your failures should not define you. Who should define the believer? Jesus Christ. God should define who you are, not your situation. I am not a wounded man, a son of a father who committed suicide. I'm a son of the living God. See what I'm saying? You, you, you have to, where are you going to get your identification? And see, when you get into that faith crisis, you begin to identify yourself by all of the crisis. Your failures do not define you, and your situations do not define God. This is essential. We fall into this trap so often. Our theology is based on our opinion and situations. What kind of God would we serve if it was based on how well things went in our life? Seriously, folks. And Americans are famous for this. Boy, if we could get outside of America and see how the rest of the Christian world lives. Day to day under such persecution and the ability to maybe get something to eat today or not. And will they survive without being killed? So they're not really worried about uh, the blessings of God. They want to stay faithful to God in persecution because He deserves all the glory and honor because He saved our souls from hell. It's a different perspective and we've got to begin to recognize my situation doesn't define God. The things I've been through, the loved ones I've lost, and my best theological understanding of healing, and my best theological understanding of God's mercy, if it fails in my understanding, God didn't fail me. I just need to learn more and understand His character. And trust Him. And trust Him. How many of you have been through that, right? You're in a situation, you're praying for a loved one, things are not getting better, and one Sunday someone in church says, Hallelujah, my husband's been healed. You rejoice with them, and then you say, What about me? Did I not say enough prayers? Did I not do it in the right sequence? Did I not have the right position? I'll do anything. Right? 
Some get answers and some don't. Why? And then we turn against God. Well, God is not this. He's not that. He's not this. Could it be that he's bigger than all of that? And that what you deem as the most important things may not be. Are you meaning to tell me that life and death is not the most important thing? Yeah, I am. Life and death is not the most important thing. Staying alive on this planet is not the most important thing to God. But living in this flesh on this side of death, we think it is. (laughs) We scrap and, and scratch and do everything we can to stay alive and say, this is everything to me, when in fact the resurrection's everything. It's bigger than this life. And see, this is what happens. Your faith gets challenged to have to take in a much wider scope of reality than you have and a much wider scope of God. And that's what we have to do. You see, in reality, a faith crisis is a process of pruning. Could I tell you something? None of you would have been saved if you didn't have a faith crisis. You had to have your belief system absolutely challenged to get saved. You were such a nice guy, nice gal, good person. Jesus comes along and says, you're a sinner. There is nothing about you that is of any value or good. What are you talking about? I'm a nice guy. You had to come into a crisis in order to get saved and recognize that it is only by God's grace that you could be known to him. Right? You see, so, so it was essential. And so some of the things you've been through were used by God to mold and shape you. You remember Romans 8, 29, right? All things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. So you're going to have crisis in your life. It's going to challenge what you believe and what you trust. But God, if you will know him in a bigger scope of what you had already, he may have lopped off a big old branch you've been hanging on, but you recognize my God's sprouting new sprouts of his sovereignty and glory in my life. I can trust him for that. Some of you have lost children. I don't know anything that could tear your heart out even greater than that. Some of you have been through traumatic things. We look at each other in this room and we're all suburbanites and you got a nice little house, you got nice clothes, and we got all these things. Some of you have been through so many terrible trials and struggles. Some of you have been addicts for so long and God saved you through them. And we don't even know what we've been through, each one of us. And we have crises together. Together we need each other to get through this stuff. And your faith in God is shaping in such a way that, that you came through it. And you're growing. You recognize I've been pruned. And I have to get past this crisis that I'm in so that I can continue to understand who God is and continue to grow. A challenged belief system can strengthen your faith. Learn to dismantle the appropriate weakness in your belief system. See, so this is the point, and and this is what I've learned, if I could share it with you, is that when your faith is in crisis, there is something in that crisis that needs pruning. There's something in our belief system that needs readjusting. And, and instead of 
having disappointment with God and disappointment with people and disappointment with the church, begin to find the place that is actually in crisis and examine that. And don't lose everything you've gained all those years. Just begin to re-examine that one thing. You don't have to go all the way back. Is there a God? Can we settle that one? You see what I'm saying? And if there was a God, did he love the world so much that he gave his son? I can, I, I can say that. Okay, I'm going to tie a knot there so I don't slip past that again. Because I got rope burn from all the times I've been slipping. Anybody else? Right? I remember young in my faith, every time a Jehovah Witness would come to the door, man, slip all the way down to the bottom. What is it? I don't know. They knew so much more than me. It was a faith crisis, so what did it make me have to do? Study. Then I could tie a knot and go, I ain't going down there anymore. (laughs) Tired of this rope burn. Right? And so, what can you ensure? To the place where does God heal? Yes, He heals. Does He heal all the time? Ah, He's still sovereign in all of this. And so I have to consider this when I'm praying. And I have to adjust in my crisis to understand God and to know Him. And so I recognize that, yes, I, see, I don't have to... Here, let me help you with this on your outline. If God doesn't heal, is there no God? Well, there was a time, it depends on when this crisis hits, uh, in your growth stages, you may go back to there is no God. Right? We've been there. But, okay, so now, the place I'm at in my Christian growth, if God doesn't heal in this instance, does it mean there's no God? No. (laughs) Of course there is a God. If he didn't heal on this occasion, that doesn't mean there is no God. I know there's a God. I've seen enough evidence of God. I know the theology. I know the doctrine. I see his handiwork round about me. I've seen healing. I've seen all of this. There's a God. I can tell you that. All right, there is a God, but is there a God and he does not heal? We therefore have to throw out healing in the entombment and in Scripture. No, 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 I've been there long enough. I don't have to do that. But many people have. Uh, Carlton Pierce. How many of you know Carlton Pierce? Right? Powerful preacher. Amazing preacher. Loved his auntie. His auntie died. He was so close to her, so dear to her, but she wasn't a believer. Guess what happened to this man who had, I don't know, 20,000, 30,000 in his church? Huge ministry. You know what happened to Carlton Pierce? Is it Pearson or Pierce? Pearson. Carlton Pearson. Guess what happened to him? He changed his theology because he couldn't stand and couldn't understand a God who would send his auntie, who he loved, to hell. Therefore, he went back into Scripture, he researched it and kind of twisted it and turned it to say that, you know what? Everybody gets saved. Universalism. How did he get there? Crisis. A faith crisis. He couldn't put together his love for his aunt and God's holy justice and the word of God. So he had to adjust his theology about God to match his woundedness over his aunt. Now, he's back up into the tens of thousands of people going to his church. And now he preaches to the homosexual, everybody's saved. Anybody can be saved. It doesn't, of course we know anybody can be saved. But it's, you don't have to change what you do or change who you are. 
In other words, you're all getting saved anyways. Do you see what happened in that faith crisis? So this is why it's important what you do with your faith crisis. You've got to make sure you manage it properly. Okay? So you're pruning it. So, okay, God says we know there's a God, and if he didn't heal, does that mean God never heals? No. We have learned what the Word of God says. We have seen it. We have prayed for it. I have prayed for people and laid hands on them, and they have not recovered. I have prayed and laid hands on people who have recovered. You, can you chart that out? No. <laughs> Can you explain that all for me? No. But it doesn't stop me. Because God's not an equation, and God doesn't fit on our charts. But I'll trust and do what his word says, and when he does otherwise, he's got the glory still coming to him because he's going to make it all work out for good. And I know that, and I trust that. See what I'm saying? If God doesn't intervene, then why? Oh, I know why. It's sin in my life. There must be sin. I've worked with people. There must be sin because I did this, I did this, I did this, and this didn't happen. So there's got to be sin. All right, well, let's work it. Let's, let's get it. Okay, uh, uh, is there this sin? No. This sin? No. This sin? No. Have you done this sin? No. This sin? No. Why does it have to be sin? Because the book I read and the preacher told me that when God doesn't answer according to the way he said, the preacher told me, then there must be sin in my life. Could it be that it's bigger than the TV preacher and the book and everything else? Could it be that there's another design for all of this? But he died. Yeah, but could it be that death is not the worst thing that can happen? Again, let's readjust everybody. What is the worst thing that could happen to the human soul? Yeah, dying without Christ. Now that, but yet there's still the free will in that, isn't there? I've worked with people who willed themselves to death. Now, so, let me read to you 2 Corinthians 4, 7 on your outline. But we have this treasure in jars of what? Clay. Clay jars are kind of fragile, wouldn't you say? We have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? Why? to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. God packed His glory, His righteousness, His holiness, His power in clay jars so that when we begin to crack, you can see Him. In my weakness, Paul said what? He is strong. He's seen. He's revealed. That's why it says treasures in jars of clay to show that his all-surpassing power is from God, not us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, and not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Do you get what he's saying? Words like smashed, crushed, beaten, these are not nice words. But he says they don't take us out. They don't take us out. Oh, they'll take you down. 
they'll knock you flat on your back. Paul could go through his resume of, I've been shipwrecked, I've been stoned, I've been left for dead, I've been stripped naked, I've been hungry. He said, but I've learned the secret to it all. I know how to be content in all these things. And that is, by, by Christ I can do all things who strengthens me. You see, he understands this body's going to be buffeted. This body's going to be beaten down. It's going to be crushed. It's going to be hemmed in. It's going to be smashed, but it's not out for the count because you smash me and the glory of God will be patient and be revealed in me. And while I'm sitting messed up somewhere, I can still give glory to God. That's a testimony. I've struggled, but I'm still making it. That's a testimony. God got me through. You see, that's a testimony that speaks to a world that is hurting and dying. That's a hope to a world out here who's suffering. That this gospel can get you through. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. You're going to run into a crisis, brothers and sisters. It may be a physical crisis where you are crushed or hard-pressed, but don't worry, don't despair. It's not going to take you out. It's going to hurt. It's going to cause a crisis, but it won't take you out. In fact, it can reveal a greater measure of Christ if you'll handle it and move on into a greater awareness of who He is. In the end, brothers and sisters, can I tell you what life is all about? Can I give you the secret to life in everything? All to the glory of God. That's the reason you exist. It's the reason I exist. For His glory. If He wants His glory to shine in you for 10 years and He's done, glory to God. If He gives you 50, hallelujah. If He takes you out in a car accident, oh, pastor, don't say that. We're supposed to live till, till 70 plus years. It's a promise. It's not a promise. It's an evaluation of the average timeline of the human being. God counts the number of your days. And you've become his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he has already prepared for you to do. So he's got an assignment for you. It, it might be short, it might be long. All to the glory of God. This whole thing's about him. See now, faith crisis gets you realigned with who's God and who are you, right? So that at the end of the day, we will continue to magnify God and realize you're faithful. How could you say he's faithful? You lost your debt. Ah, yeah, my God's faithful. Got me through it. I love God. I love my life. I wouldn't change a thing in it. How can you say that? Because I know him. But you lost this person. You lost that person. This didn't work out the way you wanted. This didn't work out. Oh, no, no, no. You just wait and see. It's going to work out amazing because I know my God. And when I get to see what he's created through all of this, I'm going to be blown away. I can, I'm, going to, I'm just going to go, I'm going to flip. I can't believe it, what you have done. When we get there and we see what God has done with what we thought were all the messes and all the things that went wrong, we're going to go, really? awesome our god is awesome he is amazing he is wonderful i close with this brothers and sisters we've got to help people when they're in their crisis romans 15 1 we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak 
not to please ourselves. There are people even in this room tonight in a faith crisis. They're questioning God. They're questioning the church, their place in it. They're questioning themselves. Let's bridge that gap of crisis and help them see God in all of this. Help them see his plan. Help them through that crisis. Don't badger them. Help them. Build them up. Strengthen them. Don't criticize them or be critical. Help them because there's going to time. Uh, can I tell, how many of you want to grow in Jesus? You're headed for a faith crisis. You know how you get higher? A footstool. Right? What do you use a footstool for? Step up, right? Can I ask you a question? What's the Bible say your footstools are? Your enemies. Guess who you got to (laughs) meet? So so don't shrink back. Trust God. You've been through them before. You'll get through them again. They're not going to take you out. You might be crushed, but you're not defeated. You might be... uh, you know, shaken, but you're not going to be dissolved and ruined. That's what that scripture's all about. No matter what you face, it's not going to take you out because as you grow in the Lord, as you mature in God, you will trust Him even through the storms, even through the hard times. You're going to get through this thing and the glory of God is going to be revealed in you through it. That's the testimony of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Stand with me. Let's begin to pray.